Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Hey, so good to be with you today. There's a saying we have at Elevation, and that saying is, church is not an event to attend, but a family to belong to. And I think that's more truer than ever at this time that we're in. See, there's no Sunday service that we can go in person to attend, but we definitely have a family that we belong to. So if there's anyone out there, and maybe at this time you're struggling, there's some battles in your mind, uh, you're going through something difficult, I want to let you know you're part of a family that loves you, that cares for you, that's here for you. and We're better together. And so if you're going through anything at this time, please reach out. Call us, send us a message. We are there for you. Family is always there for each other, right? And so we want to be here for you at this time. Let's pray. God, I thank you today that we're here to meet with you, Lord. We're here to be moved by your Holy Spirit. We're here, Lord Jesus, to gather as a people, a community, to meet with God. So I pray, Jesus, that is what's going to happen during my message, as it already has happened during an amazing time of praise and worship. We thank you for that, Jesus, in your mighty name. Everyone said, Amen. Hey, my kids, my two oldest children, Joel, who is 14, and Ethan, who is 12, have been doing remote learning for the last couple of weeks, as my wife Gabby said a little bit earlier. And it's been interesting. It's been uh, really interesting. And I said to them, you know, during this time, if you need help, come to me and I'll try to help you if something that you're going through that you need help with, with schoolwork. And so my son, Ethan, who's 12, he came to me during this week or last week and he needed help with some maths. I said, no worries, I'll help you. So the issue he was having was fractions and it was multiplying, dividing, subtracting fractions from each other. And when there were different denominators, and and I gotta admit, and like this is a little bit embarrassing, but I was struggling to do it. Like I've forgotten how to do fractions with different denominators. And so I was a little bit confused. And so I, I, I went down one path thinking I knew what I was doing, but I actually didn't. And so then I had to go and do some Googling and, and you know, I was really confused with that. And I wonder if there's any parents out there who over the last couple of weeks, your children have asked for help in some area and you're a little bit confused, yeah? You don't know what to do. And uh, I know that last year during our lockdown, some of our parents had children who were doing year 11, year 12. And, and I'm like, I'm starting to sweat. Like I'm struggling with year seven maths. I can't imagine what it's going to be like to try to help my children in year 11 or year 12. And like, ugh, I, 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 pray for me, church, please pray for me. But you know, even if you're not a parent here today, it's not just maths or helping kids with our schoolwork. There's other areas in life that sometimes we... We're a little bit confused. We don't understand. We're sort of struggling. Um, you know, I can think of a few couple of areas like men. If you've got a partner or a girlfriend or a wife or a spouse, how hard is it to understand our wives? Like, for instance, let me give you an example. You're going through your day and for some reason your wife's not talking to you. And so you say, hey, is something wrong? And is something wrong? And they're like, no, nothing's wrong. You're like, okay, sweet. So you go out doing the rest of your day and then later that evening they come to you and say, hey, we've got to talk. There's something wrong. And you're like, what? You, you told me earlier today there was nothing wrong. And guys, women is a mystery. It's confusing. And then women on the flip side, 
I, I know for you that men can be confusing. Like you don't understand us. Oftentimes my wife, Gabby, will come to me when I'm sitting in the lounge room, just, you know, looking at the TV or whatever it is. And she'll say, hey, what are you thinking right now? Bronson, what are you thinking? And I'm like, I'm actually not thinking anything. I'm just sitting here literally thinking nothing. I think all the men can relate to that, yeah? Going to that nothing place is one of our favorite places to be. And women, you can't understand that. You're like, I don't get it. Another thing that I think is confusing, and especially we've learned this in the last year, is, is I used to think that the Prime Minister of Australia was the most powerful person in Australia. He set the rules, he made the rules, he said, you do this, people did that, and, and things just happened. But what we discovered is that the Prime Minister, he doesn't have as much power as the state premiers. It's the state premiers who can decide who can and can't leave their homes, businesses shut down, and those types of things. And so I found that really confusing how the political system works here in Australia. And then, you know, we're not even talking about things like economics and, uh, I don't know, cryptocurrencies or your in-laws. You know, they're confusing, hard to understand as well. And so we have these things. And, and here's the thing about not understanding something. You think you know what the answer is or you think you understand a situation. So you go down a path which takes you to a place where isn't where you should be. For instance, with the maths, I thought I should do the fractions a certain way. My answers were always wrong just because I had a wrong understanding. So then we come to church and we start reading our Bible and there's things that we read in there that we don't really understand. There's some confusing passages of scripture that we read. And we're like, what is the author? What is God trying to say here? I don't know if you've ever opened up the book of Revelations. Has anyone ever done that? The book of Revelations, we, we believe it's about the end times and how when Jesus comes back and all these events are going to happen. But, you know, there's the beast and there's horns and there's nations that are going to rise and there's prophets and there's 144,000 and there's all these numbers being thrown out. And we're like, this is confusing. I don't understand what this means. Or then we get into the book of Romans, like some of the letters that the apostle Paul wrote. And there's that Romans, and, and Romans is, is so deep and rich in, in theology and teachings and foundational uh, Christianity, but, but it can be confusing some of the things he says, and it's hard to understand. Sometimes we read those passages, and because we don't fully understand them, we don't fully interpret them properly, we end up thinking that they mean one thing, and we end up at a place, we end up with a theology that actually doesn't align with what God was trying to say, the revelation that God was trying to bring or that the writers were writing. And I came across a passage of scripture like that this week as I was reading my Bible. And I was in John 14. And I feel like I've been in this John 14 area, this you know pre-Jesus' death, the resurrection, the crucifixion for, for a while now. And I was just reading, and I was reading in John 14. And this is a passage where Jesus is speaking to his disciples and so let's read this passage together today it says this John 14 verse 11 to 14 believe me when I say that I am in the father and the father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves very truly I tell you whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the father will be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and you will do it. And, and this is a truly inspiring passage 
that Jesus shares with his disciples. And because we're followers of Jesus, we're his disciples, he also shares with us. And you read it and it says this, we are going to do greater works than Jesus did. And we are going to be able to ask Jesus for anything and he will give it to us. And this is incredible. This, this is amazing news. But you know, as we unpack it, as we delve into a little bit deeper, it's a little bit confusing. So let's do that right now. If you take your notes, some observations I made from the scripture this week. Number one, this is a promise for all believers. It's a promise for all believers. Verse 12, the first part of it, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me. This is the first thing we need to realize is that this is a passage of promise for all believers. I think sometimes in church, we can think that certain things are for only certain types of Christians. But this passage reaffirms that there's no Christians that are excluded. See, it's whoever believes. So please don't be sitting there today and think that you're not part of this promise because you know you're not an apostle or you're not a pastor or you're not in the ministry or you're not a missionary or an evangelist or you think to yourself, I'm not, I'm not a hugely spiritual person. I, I'm not mature or I haven't known Jesus for like 20, 30 years like other people have or I'm not highly gifted like other Christians, so maybe this excludes me. Today, I want to set your mind at ease and I want to correct your thinking. No, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, whoever believes in me. Church, Christians, if you believe in Jesus, then this promise is a promise for you. All Christians, all believers, all who have called upon the name of Jesus. doesn't matter your background, your situation your current position, your, what your future looks like. This promise is for all believers if you believe in Jesus. So why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, hey, I think he's talking about you. Come on, do that right now. So this is a promise to all believers. The second observation I made is this. We misunderstand works. We misunderstand works. See, as we read this passage, at face value, it seems quite obvious what Jesus is saying here, but when you delve into it deeper and read it more, it gets a bit puzzling because it says this, virtually I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Will do the works I have been doing. And here's the thing, I don't know about you, how much of the Bible you know, I don't know if you've read the stories of Jesus, but when I read the stories of Jesus, and I look at my own life, I start to see there's a disconnect here. Like if I look at the miracles, which is what we typically think the works of Jesus are. If I look at the miracles that Jesus did, wow, they're amazing. Jesus, he turns water into wine. He heals a man who's been crippled for 38 years. He, he feeds 5,000 people from two loaves and five fish. How amazing would that be? Apparently, people just buy one loaf of bread and you're set for the rest of the year. He walks on water. He restores sight to a blind man from birth. He raises another man up from the dead. And this is, a, this, this is where the passage starts to come undone for me. And if you've ever thought about it, because here's Jesus and he's doing these miracles. And so what does Jesus mean when he says, those who believe in me will do the works that I do? 
is Jesus saying that if you believe in me, you will do the same miracles that I've done? Is he saying that all believers will do this? Is he saying that this is, should be the fruit of your life? And if you aren't seeing these miracles happen in your life, you're not a true believer of me. Because that's what it can read like. I imagine the disciples, they're sitting there. And as Jesus is saying this, they're like, wow, this is awkward. I mean, Jesus, we've seen you. We've seen you raise a dead man from, from, from the grave. We've seen you walk on water. And you're saying that we are going to do these things as well. But here's the thing, I don't think that's actually what Jesus is trying to say here. See, when you look at the other New Testament letters where miracles and healings take place, you see that um, there's, this, there's this caveat that gets put in place. It, it, it's, they state that it's a gift that some have and some don't. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 and 10 and 29 to 30. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another the works of miracles. Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? So you might be asking right now, uh, are you saying that that's not what Jesus is saying? You see, let me, let me back that. You might be saying, so if you're saying that's what Jesus isn't saying, then what are you saying that Jesus is saying? Bit of a tongue twister there. Well, we need to go to verse 11 and see what Jesus says there. See, he says, believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is me, in me. So he's saying, believe me when I say that I am God. I'm the Son of God. I am part of the personage of God. Then he continues on and he says, or at least believe on the evidence on the works of themselves. We see the words believe and works. They're mentioned in both these verses, verse 11 and verse 12. And so the main idea of verse 11 is this. Jesus's works were designed to, put, to help people believe. The works that he did were to help people to believe. And so Jesus says, if you don't believe the words I'm saying, if you don't believe me in my speaking that I'm saying that I'm God, that I'm the Son of God, then look to the works that I do to help you to believe. And so then in verse 12, he says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I am doing. And we see again, the two words believe and works again are mentioned. And if we use those two words in a similar fashion, 11 and 12, we see this. Verse 11, my works function to lead people to faith in me. And so then in verse 12, you will do works that lead people to believe in me just like I did. The emphasis is on works that lead people to Jesus, not the miracles or the works themselves. See, it's not so much Jesus saying that you're going to turn water to wine you're going to raise the dead from the grave. You're going to walk on water. It's not so much that. What it's really saying is that if you are a believer in Jesus, your works will display your trust and reliance and confidence in Jesus Christ. And it's not so important what your works are, but who they point people to. So I hope you see that today. The works point people to Jesus. Uh, my third observation is this. Our, great, our greater work is in Jesus. 
See, it gets better or maybe even more confusing as we continue on to the rest of verse 12 where it says, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Even greater things. Jesus, it's not enough that you did all those amazing things and now you're saying that we're going to do greater works than you? Again, I think that we misunderstand what Jesus is saying. I don't think that's necessarily what he's saying. Here's what I believe that Jesus is actually saying. See, up until this point in time, we need to understand that any uh, miracles, sorry, we need to understand that up to this point in time, all, all salvation had been in anticipation of a coming Messiah. So the great men in faith mentioned in Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12, the great men in faith of the Old Testament, their faith was in anticipation of a coming Messiah, a coming Savior, a coming salvation. Even while Jesus was still alive and performing the miracles that he performed, healing people, forgiving them of their sins, performing miracles were done in anticipation of God's yet-to-be-completed plan of redemption for all of mankind. And so Jesus at the end of verse 12, he's saying this, you will do greater things because I'm going to the Father. See, as I go to him, as I go to the Father, before I get to him, there's an event that's going to occur. The cross, the crucifixion, I'm going to be beaten and mocked and spat upon. I had a crown of thorns put on my head. I'm going to be crucified on the cross. And then I'm going to be buried for three days and then rise again. And then at the resurrection, I will then ascend to heaven and I will send to you the comforter, the counselor, the advocate, the Holy Spirit to empower and indwell your life. See, this changes everything. It changes everything, church. See, now our works don't point to people to a coming Savior. Our works point people to a Savior who has come. There's not some future event where we're waiting for salvation. Salvation is already here. Can you grab a hold of that today? See, church, we're not preaching a message of Jesus' coming. We're preaching a message of Jesus has come. We're not preaching a message that your sins may be forgiven in the future. We're preaching a message your sins are forgiven today, right here, right now. Your debt is paid. Your salvation is assured. Jesus has accomplished it. There is a greater work that Jesus does through us now because of his finished work on the cross. God's salvation as man is finished. The Jesus we point to now is the glorified Risen Savior, King, all-conquering, all-triumphant, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And He is greater. My last thought today, very quickly, number four, is in His name. So we've just established that we're going to do the works that Jesus did, which is pointing people to Him. And we're going to do greater works. How is it a greater work? Because now... The Jesus we point to is not a coming Messiah. He is the Messiah who has already been. His salvation is already at hand for you. Your sins have already been forgiven. But now we continue on to verses 13 and 14. It says this, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
You will ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And I think there's a lot of confusion around this passage of scripture as well for, you know, maybe Christians who, are, who haven't been in the faith as long or even long, long-term Christians. And a lot of people misunderstand this because they see Jesus and he says, whatever you ask, I will do. Whatever you pray for, I'm going to do. And so, so we're like, well, Jesus, well, I mean, why didn't you tell me sooner? Let me go get my shopping list. But it's not like that. There's a condition. See, Jesus says, in my name. He says, in my name. Oh, well, that's easy. Jesus, God, I thank you for that new car in Jesus' name. Yeah, that's, that's what we do. But no, that's not what God is obviously speaking about. That's obviously not what Jesus is talking about. See, Jesus is saying that anything you need to, anything you need, to accomplish the greater works of pointing people to me. If you ask in my name, you will have it. Anything that you ask in my name to do the greater works of pointing people to Jesus, if you ask, I will give it to us. See, he's already given us the Holy Spirit. When we receive Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. He's already given us the finished work of the cross, salvation, forgiveness of sins, redemption, a new creation life. He's already given us those things. And if you ask in his name, he'll give you opportunities to tell someone about him. He'll use your life experiences, the good and the bad, as an example of his grace and goodness to others. He'll give you words that pierce right into a person's heart and soul. He'll give you the power to speak into situations and circumstances with the authority of the Holy Spirit in you. He'll do greater things through you. But it's not just in those areas either. He'll also answer your other prayers when you filter it through bringing glory to God. See, he'll answer your prayers of God, help me to be a better parent so that I can be a good, godly example to my children. He'll he'll answer the prayers, Jesus, help me. With my anger issues, so my life, in my life change, people can see you. So he'll answer the prayers, Lord, help me with my anxiety, so I can share, so I can tell others of the victory I have in my life over anxiety. He'll answer the prayers, Jesus, would you complete the good work that you started in my life? Would you complete it? Today, as I finish, you know, I'm glad that I now have a better understanding of how to do fractions and multiply and divide and subtract them from each other. And I've got a better understanding of it now. I'm not as confused as I was two weeks ago. And this passage of scripture, you know, I really believe we have a better understanding of it now. And here's the thing, when we, when we better understand the truth of what God is revealing in the Bible, what he's trying to say, what the writers were writing down, We better understand the nature and the character of God. We better understand where we fit in God's grand plan for mankind. We better understand forgiveness, grace, and mercy. We better understand salvation and the cost and why there was a price that had to be paid. We better understand these. And in this promise in John, it's not about doing more miracles than Jesus. And it's not about God being this cosmic vending machine that gives us whatever we want when we pray. Instead, it's a promise to all believers that Jesus is with us, ready to answer our prayers as our lives do 
the greater work of pointing people to Him. So church, this week, as I finish right now, let me encourage you. Let's live our lives this week like that. Let's live our lives that live in a greater revelation of Jesus' finished work in us. The greater work that we now do in the world around us. Let's be the church to each other and to the world. Let's bring the greater finished work of Jesus Christ to the people around us today. Let's pray. Lord God, let's pray right now that you're with us. I pray that for us believers, us Christians, us that know you, who believe in you, God, I pray that we would be so much aware of the greater work that you are doing in our lives, God. Maybe we thought, how could we possibly do a greater work than Jesus in the miracles and the things that he did? But God, now we're not bringing an anticipated salvation. We are bringing a salvation that has been won and fought and accomplished and it is finished and it is done 2,000 years ago. So Jesus, I pray that we would be so much more aware of that, Lord God, that revelation of who you are, Jesus. Today, maybe there's other people here and you don't actually believe in God. You don't believe in Jesus. Maybe today's your first time in church. Maybe you've been brought up your whole life in church but you've never really believed. But today as I've been speaking and maybe as the songs were sung earlier or Pastor Gabby was sharing a scripture verse, perhaps something spoke to your heart. That is Jesus Christ speaking to you. Today you're starting to believe and you wanna know about the greater work that Jesus accomplished at the cross. You wanna experience God's salvation that is readily available to you. You want to be forgiven for your past and sins of your life. You want to know and experience this new life, this eternity with God in heaven. Today, I'm going to give you that opportunity. It's very simple. The scriptures say, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he died on the cross from your sins, the Bible says you will be saved. And saved basically means that your direction of eternity will be changed from eternity separated from God to eternity now with God. But it's not just your eternity, it's also right here and now. God will do a work in your life to change you from the inside out. We call it being made a new creation. But it starts with a simple prayer, a simple acknowledgement that Jesus is God. He is your Savior. So would you pray this very simple prayer with me today? Jesus I give you my life. Thank you, you are my savior. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. You can learn more about God and Jesus and the foundations of Christianity as you journey together in the future. But right in this moment, it's just a simple prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. God, today for any person, man, woman, child, young or old who prayed that prayer, God, for the first time, or maybe they prayed that prayer after being away from you from a period of time. I pray right now, God, they're experiencing the greater work of Jesus Christ operating in their life right now. God, they're experiencing the supernatural power of forgiveness and healing, new life and being made a new creation. I thank you for that right now. I pray that this week, as they go out, Lord Jesus, that they will know, Lord, that you are with them and that your greater work will continue in their life. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen.
God bless. See you soon.